This is WMPG. I'm Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about courage, the courage to talk about the subjects that are the hardest to bring up, but that we think about the most. This month's series is on the experience of incarceration, and today is actually part two of an interview with Mike uh, about his experience of serving time for a drug charge. Before we start with part two, however, I want to invite you to contact us if you have a story about incarceration that you would like to share. We're calling this new section of the show Echoing Stories, and we're going to be playing them at the end of the series. So if you or someone you love has been impacted by incarceration and would like to share your story, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-E, dranne at safespaceradio.com. So if you heard our interview last week, you know that Mike lives here in the Northeast and served a seven-year sentence for a drug-related charge. He was released in 2005, and since that time, he has gone to college, he's gotten a degree, he started his own business, and he now volunteers leading groups for men inside a state prison. Welcome back to Safe Space Radio, Mike. Thanks. Last week, we ended with you talking about how even though in some ways serving seven years uh, felt really unjust, that in fact, where you are now is feeling quite grateful that you had that long a time to really do a lot of inner work in the prison. And I understand that you participated in a program called the Jericho Circles, and let's start with that. Tell me a little bit about what the Jericho Circles are. Yeah, well, I have, I have an immense, immense amount of gratitude for the men that come inside as part of the Jericho Circle. Um, it's strictly a volunteer organization and men that you know take time out of their busy lives to, to come inside and to help us um, take a look at who we are and who we want to be. Um, th- so the, the, Jericho, the Jericho Circle is is a group that came in, it came in every week. Um, and one component that has just shaped my life immensely is what we do around emotional literacy and emotional awareness and really around emotional mastery. And the circles are a lot about giving us tools to look at our lives, to hold ourselves accountable to kind of define what integrity means for us. I, re- I, really, I really don't know where I would be today um, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for those circles. Um, it just means, it means so much to me. Um, Can you tell me a story of... Um Maybe a moment in the circle that where you really understood something very important about yourself. Well, there's there's one um, one of the things that the, the Jericho Circle helped me to do was uh, there was a point in time in my incarceration where I was I was preparing to to get released and I was um, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was to try and was to reconnect with my son and 
at that point in time, I had been out of his life for like 10 years, um, and I had no contact with him whatsoever. Yeah, how old was he at the time that you were arrested? About four, about four years old. And was he living with you at that time? He wasn't. That's a long, complicated story. I had separated from my son's mother before he was born, and, and I remained friends with her, and I was part of the, you know, going to the doctor, and I wasn't there for his birth, but I was there shortly, shortly after. And for the first two years of his life, he was, he was with me half the time. And, um, I mean, and it was hard because, you know, back then, as messed up as my life was, whenever my son was with me, were the times when I was sober. And that was the times I, the times I didn't use. Um, and then at about two years old, I was denied visitation rights. And it's kind of blurry as to, you know, the reasons why. And some of that, I'm sure, was, you know, what, what some of the things I was into. I mean, at that point in time, I, was, I wasn't doing, I wasn't into the cocaine, but I was smoking, smoking weed and drinking. Um, so there had been a couple of years before I had gotten arrested, and, and, and actually it was, it was just heart-wrenching for me to be torn away from my son at, at age two. And, and it was part of, you know, I don't, I don't, it was one of the factors involved in me kind of really spiraling out of control in a different direction. Um, so that was another, I mean, you ask us, like, what, what is, what are the, some of the, what was the hardest thing about doing, doing my time and, you know, and thinking back on my life and, and thinking about my son, that was, that was one of the hardest things. So the Jericho Circle was one place where I had the opportunity to look at everything that came up around that topic, you know, to look at my own shame in my life and what I, what I had done and the shame that I carried about not being there for my son. And it gave me tools to work through all those things and to deal with the fear and the anxiety about making contact and gave me space to figure out wh how I was going to proceed and what I wanted to say. And, and I, just, I just have so much gratitude and, and things turned out so well since my release, I was just truly amazed at how well everything unfolded. So tell me what did happen with your son. When did you approach him and how did you do it? About a year, about a year before I got out. I mean, there was a lot of things I did. I had to contact, uh, I contacted the Department of Human Services and that was a big, huge step too. And just let, and let them know that I was in prison and that I really wanted to take care of my all of my obligations and um you mean like child support payment? yes mm -hmm. yeah and i had owed i had owed back child support so when i got out i owed twenty thousand dollars to dhs so i had a huge obstacle there um and i contacted them and let them know that i wanted to you know do whatever i whatever i needed to do to take care of that responsibility um and then i also sent a letter to my son's mother and um parents um, 
and let them know that I, you know, that I was getting out and that I really would love it if I had the opportunity to be a part of my son's life. And, and I didn't hear too much and they were very, very reluctant because he was doing very well. And he knew about, he had, he knew about me and he knew about, you know, where I was and all that, but they were, you know, of course, very reluctant. I was, you know, writing them from prison. And I got out, and I remember there was a, 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 DA, a Department of Human Services hearing, and it was like I, I had done, like, so much work in the Jericho Circle around preparing for, like, these moments, and and I just, you know, went into this hearing, and his, his mom and and who he calls dad, his stepdad, were like on a phone. It was a phone hearing. And they just, something happened in the course of, in the course of the interview that they just really, really sensed my authenticity and how much I, I wanted to be a part of his life. And, and they really wanted him to have that opportunity. And and since then I've had a just this incredible relationship with my son, <laughs> and you know, and it's been and I've really let him kind of dictate how everything has unfolded. Um, you know, I haven't been like an everyday dad for him, but I I, re I really feel like we've established a really close bond, and we've had a really great friendship and feel like I'm very very blessed that he gave me the space to let me back into his into his life so so you have this hearing over the phone with his mom and mm -hmm. and is she remarried is her her husband yes. mm -hmm. and um so they say yes did you how did you plan where the first meeting was going to be, and did you talk to him on the phone first? Tell me a little bit more about what actually happened. I, th I think we, I think we talked a couple of times on the phone, and and then we uh, we went bowling. Were you really nervous? Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was very nervous, um, and it just went really, really great. I was blown away, both both by by him. And his his um, stepdad, I was just bl completely blown away. How were you blown away by his stepdad? His willingness to be there. He wasn't threatened by you. Yeah, it didn't it didn't seem that way. So, I want to backtrack to when I asked you more about the Jericho Circle. So, I want to get more of a feel for what it was like. So. Describe it. Is it a how big is it? How many men are in the circle? What what was your first circle like? Like what were you thinking it was going to be, and what was it? Well, I had I had a a couple of my friends inside had had recommended that I go to the circle, and specifically one of my friends he says, you know, Mike, you really got to go to this. This is something that you're really gonna you're really gonna like, and so I did, and. And I think from day one, I just I felt like it was the place I needed to be. Um, at the time, there was two there were two circles going on, and there was two volunteers coming, two outside men coming in and leading and facilitating the the circles. And there was 
probably around eight, eight to ten guys per circle in the group. And when did you start to realize that this really was a safe place that you could actually be vulnerable there, let your guard down? I don't know. I think it kind of, it kind of evolves over time as, as, as men start sharing, um, really start opening up and making themselves vulnerable. It kind of opens the door and the trust starts to open. You know, the, the safety, it feels safe as people, as people, you know, express vulnerable parts of themselves. You know, to be in prison and to go to a place where it's all right to cry in front of men, I mean, for the first time, you know, it's where, you know, in the society, you know, stereotypically, we're not, we're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to show our emotions. Um, I mean, even anger. <clears throat> we're, we're not we're supposed to repress our anger and and it provided this really safe place to explore our emotions and to explore the things that we repress it's it's really amazing the the power of the circles as as time develops in the circle and trust starts building and i mean we really it really is about creating sacred space and i i look at it now as it's, it's it's a spiritual space that just magic things happen. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to explain. I mean, you're describing in your own life profound shifts that happened. Was it through your work in the Jericho Circle that you decided to drop your appeal? I I mean I I think that was definitely probably a, a major a major influence. I mean, there was I was I was busy in a lot of other things too. There were other programs going on, and there were programs that I created, and just things that. What did you create? Well, I was there was no um, college education opportunities there, so what I ended up what I ended up doing was getting the uh, institution to be a, a approved uh, CLEP test site and a Dante's test site. So. I ended up, which are, you can take tests and get college credit and uh, through uh, a, a self-study. Self so what I ended up doing was there was a library loan program there, so I would borrow textbooks for a month and study them, and then I would take a test and get, and get credits. I see, um, so there was no one coming in to teach college classes. You right. completely did it yourself. Yeah. Was there anyone yeah. else doing it with you? No. No. It was... And I remember going, I remember when I was going to the, when I was in the county jail and people saying that there was opportunities for college. And then when I got to the institution, there wasn't any. So I was like, that really kind of crushed me because they're, they're really the, you know, the system is not designed for rehabilitation. It, it truly is about punishment and putting people away and it's really fear-based and there's n not a lot of help right, in, and I in, rehab in rehabilitating yourself. I understand that getting a college degree in prison is the number one protective thing for ever having to come back to prison. And yet what you're telling me is the prison you were at didn't even offer that. Yeah, <clears throat> and most don't. So I want to ask you a little bit about the life after release now. 
So when you when you got out, you owed twenty thousand dollars in child support. How did you find a place to live, start earning money? I mean, how did you just the, the nuts and bolts of how did you look after yourself financially once you got released? Yeah, it's really really hard coming out of prison. There was, I mean, that's another another area that is just so lacking is in transitional transitional help transitional opportunities there really is nothing you were literally pretty much thrown out on the street um i mean what i for yourself um what i understand is that once you have served prison time if you have a felony charge you can't be in public housing anymore you can't get student loans you can't get food stamps uh, you often have to put that on any job application so there's like all these doors that are shut to you while you all this, owe all this money so what did you do well i ended up i ended up going to uh i ended up having to do county jail time after my federal time so i had i ended up doing um 6 months more in the county jail after i'd gotten out of the federal institution and while there i was in a work release program which was a huge that was a hu- that was a huge uh help and i was really very very grateful for that um so during that time i was able to save money and then when i got out i started my own business everything just fell together really really nicely and 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 that is just so rare and so you know, I've t- I've talked to many people coming out, and it's they just have such a hard time. And it was very hard for me and too. Um, things went well, but I I was working full time, started a business, I was going to school full time. I I ended up actually overcoming the hurdles around student loans, money somehow. So and, you were um, able to get student loans. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. So last question before we stop was about I understand that now now that your probation is over and so on, that you are able to go back into a prison and help offer these circles yourself. So tell me, what is it like for you now that you're on the outside with your own job and you're, you know, you're free to go back in there and to work with these men? I remember the first time going in and just being so incredibly scared and also feeling really, really amazed at how that kind of dissipated and feeling, almost feeling like I was going home. Um, In addition to the work I had done inside around the Jericho Circle, there was, I also had some really profound spiritual experiences inside prison. And so I think going back, going back inside really brought up all that and really brought to the forefront my search my search my search for freedom and my search for inner freedom and interesting how the metaphor of being in prison and be, and feeling being outside and released in a lot of ways then feeling like I was still imprisoned well, I had touched upon something while I was inside I, there was there was a point in time where I had touched upon this peace, this serenity, this actual feeling of wholeness, and and really after being out 
side for four years and being busy, 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 you know, going to school full time, working full time, you know, in relationship with my son, being in personal relationships and just the whole immensity of trying to make up for lost time. And uh, even today, I sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm a I'm just a rock rolling down a hill and that I'm imprisoned by the momentum of my life. And so it's one of the things that just walking into that prison, walking into the physical prison and contemplating how my life is often feeling like I'm in a prison. It was it was really profound and really a wake-up call. Is that part of why you keep doing it? I think so. I haven't I haven't quite figured out that one completely yet. Um, yes, and also just r- really, I mean, going inside and feeling the authenticity that happens inside these circles. To be, you know, I, I go inside now into a circle where men of all races, of all different social class, backgrounds, um, different languages who don't speak English. And we're all in the same group. And we're all in this group with completely open hearts, talking about emotions, sharing our feelings, sharing our shame, sharing our joys, our hopes, our dreams. Um, it's It's really an amazing thing. Men striving to be of integrity. Men, men trying to figure out what does it mean to be a man in this world, whether you're inside prison or outside prison. Um, you know, I said this word before, but authenticity. The authenticity that happens in there is an authenticity that I rarely see outside of prison. And... I want that. The openness, the heart opening. The ability to be vulnerable and to be there for another man while he's being vulnerable. What a priceless gift you were given. (laughs) No, really. What a priceless gift you were given in prison. You know, we, we go inside and... We facilitate healing, but, you know, the the healing that has happened to me since going back into prison has been so, so great. You know, it's, it's, we, we help heal each other. So, Mike, if someone wants to learn more about the Jericho Circle, if someone wanted to give money or someone wanted to volunteer or just learn more, is there a website? How can people find out more about it? Yeah, the the place to start would be to go to the website, which is jerichocircle.org. And um, there's contact information on the website and a whole host of information and kind of in more detail about what we do. And that would be a great place to start. Mike, I want to thank you so much for being my guest, for sharing so openly your story and your experiences with me really touched me. 
Thank you. It's been a it's been a pleasure to be able to share. Difficult, but a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking with Mike mm. about the profound experiences that he had participating in the Jericho Circles mm. during his seven-year sentence and the many years since his release. If this interview has motivated you, as it has us, to think of ways that you could help people in Mike's situation, I wanted to tell you about two different opportunities. The first is here in Maine at the Maine State Prison in Warren. And we talked to Deputy Warden Mike Tausick about what their current needs are for volunteers. And there are three. He's really interested in finding someone who would volunteer to come in and teach art. We actually went into the library there, and there are these incredible murals that are painted on the wall. There, there is enormous artistic talent in the prison, but currently no art teacher to help with that. So an appeal to all the art teachers out there, if you have some time and you would like to donate it uh, to men in prison, I think that's one way that could make a huge difference. Other needs are to have a Spanish teacher. And lastly, if you have some skill or expertise in cognitive behavioral therapy, Deputy Warden Mike Tusick made a request for someone willing to lead therapy groups in the prison. If this is something that you think you'd be interested in, contact him directly at 273-5300. So that's in area code 207-273-5300 and ask for Deputy Warden Mike Tausick. Another way to get involved is more on the national level. In this interview with Mike, one of the things that was so powerful was his experience as a father and how disconnected he felt from his son. And we found a national organization called the Family and Corrections Network, a national resource center on children and families of the incarcerated. And they work both to try to improve policies, but also with advocacy, action, and planning to help families where a parent is incarcerated. They run programs for parenting in the prison. They help with prison visiting. They help incarcerated fathers understand their roles. They work with hospitality programs in a number of other ways. If you'd like to be in touch with them, they're based in Jenkinton, Pennsylvania, and their phone number is 215-576-1110. Again, that's 215-576-1110, and they can be found at fcnetwork.org, and that's Family and Corrections Network. Uh, If you did not get to hear this whole show and you would like to, please go to our website, www.safespaceradio.com. You can also email the link to a friend. You can sign up there to get a weekly email with a link to every week's show. You can also download us from iTunes and like us on Facebook. I want to thank today... Gabe Graben for producing the show, Maurice Lennon for the music, Jim Russell for being our consultant. Coming up next is Speak Freely.